whether you eat or drink. Whatever you do. 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 Or whatever you do. Do all to the glory of God. Welcome to Whatever You Do. I'm Danny. And I'm Abby. We're just best friends trying to figure out how to bring glory to God in whatever you do. Welcome back. It is Thursday night. I've been having trouble keeping track of what days it is, but you're listening to this on Saturday sometime or later as usual. Yep. I guess you don't all listen to it on Saturdays, but whenever you're listening to it, hello. Hi. How's your week been? Good. Um, I have no idea what I've done school we've just been we've actually been trying to be responsible homeschoolers this week we've gotten a few days in of that yep and trying to get all the stuff done for school that usually i'm content and happy if we get half of it done or so but trying to be more diligent yeah, I think we're both just at this point of, like, okay, we need got, to squeeze We've as got much two months to really focus. Before we give up. We feel like that even feels ambitious. Two months does feel ambitious. It's October. Yeah, I mean, I think we can do I it. I feel like I need to be ambitious for two right. months. I know. I feel like I can't really give up before December when yeah. I'm not due until January, and then I know right. I'm not going to jump right back into... Yeah. Life full steam ahead. Yep. So I'm back to making my daily schedules and utilizing basically every minute of the day. Yeah. And wearing yourself into the ground. Yep. Basically, <laughs> that's pretty much what happens. Yep. And my lack of being around forces Abby into needing to get things done. Yep. So I'm not just showing up and laying on your couch with you. It's true. But we have been trying to be more on top of things. It's like, if I can get it done in the morning, there's hope. There's no hope if it's not done by lunch. Or really by, like, two. Yeah. So. I feel like I am just past that point, and now it's literally every... Minute. Mm-hmm. Right, but I'm doing school for three kids, and you're doing school for six. Yeah. So I feel like there is a huge difference mm-hmm. in the amount of children you're schooling. I feel like if I don't get Titus's schooling by... That's going to be a problem. <laughs> that was Abby drinking her water. So every time you hear that, you'll know she's staying well hydrated, and you can it's applaud her. Because I struggle with staying hydrated. Yes. So. But... Titus is my littlest, and if I don't do school with him earlier on in the day, he's it's hard because he's the one that I feel like really I need to be the most diligent with because of the things that he's learning really need a lot consistency, of consistency. Yeah, and it probably but doesn't it, take a ton of time. No, but but it also just feels like if we get past a certain point and then he's off plane, it feels h- harder to feel. Yes, I like I really want to track him down to. Mm-hmm. bring him back to do the school but I've been doing better with it and so you are 26 six weeks today 
Yep. Yep. So things are going well. Measuring a little bit big at times, which isn't a huge shock since my babies have tended to be larger and I always seem to have plenty of amniotic fluid for them to swim around in, swim and relax in. So that's not really new, but it's also... I wish I wasn't. (laughs) But, you know, being uncomfortable is just a small price to pay for this whole gift of life. And But otherwise, I feel like I've been feeling pretty good. Went to the chiropractor today, got my hip fixed that was out of whack always like you know it doesn't I do notice a difference immediately as far as how I'm standing and Mm -hmm. all of that but it doesn't make it just feel instantly better better right away and you're always like I really hope that this actually really helps it feel better I feel that way with my lower back Mm -hmm. so I understand yep and I am still trying to exercise even though I'm kind of when Tim told me that he saw me out the window finishing <laughs> my mile you were like, like me discouraged you from doing it I was like oh dear that's special for you <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm like maybe you need to stop being ambitious and waking up early if that's what you're gonna if you're gonna be standing at the window watching me trying to jog yeah I made it the whole mile without walking today it's really impressive which was I the last two times that I've gone out I've definitely have walked parts of my miles but we'll see how long I keep that up I don't know I don't know what it is about us recording podcasts but I literally yawn like 47 times that's like chip with reading out loud it's like when Chip reads out loud. So if we're trying to read the Bible out loud together or something, mm-hmm. every sentence he yawns. he's yawning. So I feel about every time we've been recording podcasts, I'm like, can't Your stop. breathing gets irregular and you're I don't know. like, I can't get enough air. I don't know what it is. It's okay. You just keep yawning and I'll just keep talking. <laughs> okay, well. I have an update. What's that? That I think I've decided on my baby's name. Really? But... I can't believe you're saying this. I'm not going to say what it is. I haven't told Tim, and I feel like this... Do you feel like if you say it out loud, then you're going to change your mind? Maybe. I know there's still a chance I could change my mind, which is why I don't want to tell anyone yet. But it's also felt like this weird reverse, like, I don't know, secret that... Kind of like what you talked about in the beginning of... Just something you know, but you don't know for sure, but you feel like it's this, like, special secret that you know, and that's how I Can feel. I just ask you one question? And yes. you don't have to even answer this. Sure. But is it one of, out of the, like, four or five We've been talking been... about? Yes. Okay. I would so, have assumed it would be... It wouldn't be, like, a completely out of the blue, brand new one. But... That you never heard of. Right. But I... Yeah. I was It just... feels like every time I think about it, I'm like, just... feels that's like... just it. It's just it, and I don't know why I'm, like, fighting... What, not, like, not deciding on it, and so. 
We'll see. If I ever decide to tell Tim what it is, I might just keep it a secret for... It's kind of hoping that you would wait till the baby was born. Just and maybe I will to like before I actually like announce that it's uh, for decide sure decide it. right. But well, I mean, and if you don't, that's fine. I don't. I'm not. All of it is just not like me <laughs> in general, which is probably why I'm enjoying it. So yes, much. probably. So I also feel like I've been saying it in my head so much though that I feel like I'm gonna like slip up when I'm talking about because I've been saying like baby number six for so long, mm-hmm. but. So, that's my only update. That's exciting for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you told Tim that you think you've decided mm-hmm. it? I The other night, I'm like, I decided our baby's name. And then suddenly I was like, oh, I don't want to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, you did? And I'm like, yeah, but I just realized I don't want to tell you. Because I'm not like, I feel like 95%. But... You don't want to. I don't want it to. I don't want anyone to know yet. Right. Until I'm like. Right. Really sure. So I'm like, never mind. I'm just gonna keep it. Was that hard for him, or did he not care? No, he was like, no, okay. He's kind of like me. Yes. Like that's fun fun for you. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't care. So. I feel like if it was reversed. Yeah. If you told me you knew your baby's name and refused to tell me, yeah. No, I know. I hate you. I, that's why I felt like I could tell you. Yeah, no, I, I feel like I know it, and I'm not telling you because you don't care. Me. I mean, I do. Like, I'm excited. Like, yes, it's not that I don't care. You are just I, not I, someone it just who is not gonna bother you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. Um. So, after the last two episodes, we decided that might this might be a good time to jump into talking about our birth stories but at a slowed down take an episode per birth story pace and talk through our viewpoints at the time where we full disclosure we started trying to do this straight out of the gates it was like some of our very first right but we never recording actually put those ones out they were because what didn't make any sense and we didn't feel like we had any good foundation laid for mm-hmm. it so our thought process behind it now is that we've been talking about all of these different not necessarily abstract ideas but these ideas surrounding birth and these examples surrounding birth that we're kind of trying to give examples but we're not using any actual examples so it makes it difficult to really go in depth about what we're talking about Mm -hmm. and the ramifications of things like actual Mm -hmm. examples of the how different things can play out and between the two of us we have a lot of different birth story experiences so on the last episode, I did go into some of my feelings and thoughts and issues that I had with my birth with Titus, who was my fifth birth, mm-hmm. um, to be able to give some more examples of what I was trying to talk about right. could happen. And um, so we thought it might be a good idea to just talk about our births. One at a time, we won't necessarily do all of them in a row without talking about other things, other episodes. Yeah, but I'm sure we will break it up a little bit. But I kind of just decided that we're going, Abby's going first. Oh. 
I was realizing as you were bringing this up, like, we had the whole conversation that we're going to talk about whatever births, but then we never said... For some reason, I'm feeling very strongly this should be... Which birth? You with Graceland. Like, just starting from... Starting from the beginning. The beginning. I do think we should start from the beginning for both of us and go through our births kind of in order. Okay. It feels like it would make... The most sense that way. More sense. But for whatever reason, I feel like we should... It would make more sense to start with... One of mine, since I have more of mm-hmm. them, but I feel feel like we're right. going with Graceland. So, we're going with your eldest. As unprepared, it's off the my memory of these things, but you'll remember what you need to remember. It'll be fine. Yeah. So, give us some background, Abby. When Tim and I got married, we were very much the get on birth control i had been on birth control we're not ready to have kids we got married when we were 18 and 19 so the quote-unquote responsible thing to do would be to not get pregnant so um that's kind of what we did people were having a hard enough time that you were getting married (laughs) yes so yeah so um we were in college and felt like a no-brainer to us at the time um until i took an antibiotic one month and didn't know that that can play an impact. And I just, I'm really bad at just remembering to take medication or supplements or anything regularly. But so lo and behold, I found out I was pregnant with her on birth control. Um, and very much like from the get go was the type of person who would make jokes about how I would want an epidural walking like in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Like that was like my tagline that like there was no reason why you would not get an epidural and that I wanted mine as soon as possible. So, um, you know, went through the pregnancy very much. I went and saw a um, OB at first and then through friends was given the name of a hospital midwife who was under OBs and switched over to her, um, but was very much in the mindset of... What was your main reason for switching from that OB to the midwife, just because of the recommendations? Or? And I I had a bad, like, personal experience with the OB. Like, he was just, like, rude and kind of short with me. There wasn't anything, like, I wanted differently about my birth that I felt like I needed to switch. It was more of, like... I didn't like how heard, he was like handling and you talking heard to good me things and about the midwife. Yes, so. right. And I was like, oh well, it's a midwife with an OB, so it felt like. But in that switch, um, I had had an early ultrasound um, that was maybe like seven weeks or so that said I was due on Christmas Eve, I think, um, end of December. And then... And probably dates were a little bit... Off. I didn't know what to expect because... because of the birth control yes. situation. Right. So I didn't have, like, last period to go off of. So that... And that fit. I mean, it wasn't out of... Right. That was a decent due date. Although I remember feeling like, oh, no way. I better have my baby before that. Like, because I didn't want a baby around Christmas. So, um, but in switching with my midwife to my midwife, I remember there being a, some kind of discrepancy with dates and with what the ultrasound was then saying, even though early ultrasounds are a much Typically more better accurate. indicator of dates. Um, but it was through that switch 
that they changed my due date to the 11th of December. Um, so, so they moved up almost two full weeks. Yes. Yeah. Um, and to me, I was measuring like my fundal height fit the one on the 11th. So it felt like, well, surely it's that. And I wanted it to be the 11th because I didn't want to have my baby around Christmas. Right. So, and I don't know why it was like so stuck in my mind I don't remember the reason, but it was so stuck in my mind that, like, I probably wouldn't make it to my due date, that I would go early. Um, My mom had her first baby early. It just felt like there was no way I would go past my due date. And it was it was like this hope in prayer that, like, I would make it to 36 weeks. I don't know why from the get go. That was just like my mentality. But it was. Um, So. Around the time I switched to my midwife, I started looking more into natural birth and looking more into, like, well, this might be... Did you have any influencers for that? Um, some friends, but not anything major other than I started looking into um, childbirth classes and came across the Bradley Method. Okay. Um, and decided to... That was, like, what seemed like a good comprehensive class. So I decided to join that somewhere in my 20-week mark. And I think through that class and learning a lot of different things through that class, that made me... It made me switch in my... What I thought I wanted, but it didn't actually... Make you switch in in practical application of what you were doing. Yes, it was like now I suddenly hoped I would have a natural birth and not have an epidural, but I wasn't prepared with the tools or the resources or the actual practicality of like how could I get there. Did Tim go to those classes with you? Because it's that's kind of the point. It's the husband led -led, method, right? And was he? Did he really have an opinion over any of it? No. Or was he kind of just like... The other people in the class were like... A couple were doing hospital births, but the other ones were doing home births. And that was just so crazy to me. I remember one lady was there talking about like... To the instructor about taking home one of her old like ice cream containers for her placenta. And I was like, what? Like, I just felt so like, are you kidding me? Like, you're just going to put it in this ice cream container? Like... I was just so baffled by like how, how all of and that. why would anyone ever right keep that do this yes yeah and I was I was the furthest along in that class too and so I was like felt this sense of like I don't know I, I felt like I was I knew I knew I knew it all like I knew how it was gonna go and sorry you guys have to wait later to have your babies but I got this <laughs> I learned everything I need to know in the class I'm a good student. I know what I need to do, even though I totally did it at all. Um, so anyway, I remember I remember not driving home for Thanksgiving that year. My family lived like two hours away from us in case I went into labor, even though that was like, I think it was like 37 weeks. Like it just was. If that. If that. I. Yeah. I was... 37 weeks from the new December 11th due date, probably. Just things like that that I would never do now or think now. But I just had no... No, I mean, like any first-time mom, you have no idea what to expect. You have no framework for, like, what anything feels like or what's about to happen or, you know. And and that out-of-control 
having no control over it ate me alive the whole pregnancy. Like, I hate surprises. I hate hate all of that type of stuff. And especially then, God has grown me a lot since then. But the idea of like, I don't know when this is going to happen and my whole life is going to be completely changed felt like it ate me away every night. Like, I hated, hated it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was grasping for any indicator of like, Oh my god, my baby. This point, about this point, and so um, by I'm assuming, assuming you were having you around the thirty-seven week mark, started having cervical checks, or did I did at my 38? thirty-eight week appointment because I went in there done, like because again, my mindset was, yay, if I can make it I to thirty-six made it weeks, to full term, right? Essentially. Yes. my baby will be okay now. Yes, I mean, I remember I posted a status on Facebook that was like, I'm full term now, it can be any day, and just that mindset of like, that's what's probably going to happen, and I just need it to be over with because I, I hate the suspense. If you're anything like me, then also due dates seemed like the longest yes. you would wait. Like, right. if you get to your due date, then you're late. Yes. And, like, mm-hmm. your baby shouldn't be inside you anymore right. because you... So, that's probably what, what you were talking about, thinking you would go before that. Like, right. it very much feels, I think, a lot for a lot of people, like, the... Mm-hmm. Why would... Like, well, if you get there, then... You're done. Yeah. Yeah. So, I definitely felt that, and... um went into my 38-week appointment totally done. Uh, I remember crying and just being like, I can't do this anymore. And my midwife being like, well, I can't, I can't like induce you without a medical reason before 39 weeks. Like 39 weeks is the earliest that I can even induce you. I was like begging her to induce me. I had her check my cervix then, not because she even was going to, but I was like, can you strip my membranes? And she checked and she's like, you're not even open enough for me to strip your membranes and I'm like oh no like this is not good um so then it was after that I also had had a knee surgery um a knee transplant of my cartilage that was not doing well and they needed to go back in and fix some things so I had a lot of pain in my knee and that was that felt like my out that was like my medical reason of like they need to do this surgery and they need to do it soon because it's just getting worse. And so I need to have my... Can't do it while I'm pregnant. Can't do it while I'm pregnant. I need to have my baby as soon as I can so that I can have this knee surgery. Um, So that was kind of what I used to essentially convince my midwife why I needed to be induced. She wasn't pushing induction at all. She understood. She, I could see the empathy in her eyes of like, I know you want to be done, but you're not, you know. But she wouldn't have ever suggested I be induced if I wasn't begging for it. So I remember the nurse calling me. I was thinking I was going to be induced on Friday. The nurse calling me and being like, well, you don't turn 39 weeks until I think it was like a Saturday. She's like, so we're going to schedule your induction for Sunday night. And I was like, what? Like, no. I just was that like desperate to have my baby. Like I was so just done. And I was, I remember bawling on the phone to the nurse and so, Sunday night came, and we went into the hospital at midnight, Sunday night, and 
you know. They, so at this point, what are you thinking with the induction? How, how, what are you, you're, you've done Bradley method classes. Uh-huh. You're hoping for a natural birth. Yes. But you're also going in for an induction. Yes. Were you, were you thinking through, did you even know the types of methods they would use to induce yes. at that point? Were you thinking you were okay with some and were hopeful to not use others? Like what was your kind of... I think I was hope. I just had this very idealistic mindset that like I was gonna go in and I was so ready to have my baby that all they'd have to do was put in the gels, gels, and I would be like in labor and have my baby by the next day. Like I just felt very like there were. It didn't. So you're probably still hoping that. You wouldn't have to have pitocin, yeah. and I wasn't going to need an epidural. You would have thought at that time that pitocin was would make things harder, and you yes. didn't really want pitocin. And right, but it wasn't a strong desire. It was like if that's what we need you to get the baby out, then fine. Like I didn't. How did you feel about an epidural? I still didn't want an epidural, but at that point, I felt like my mindset had shifted so much away from, like, what I actually cared about and was so much, like, literally obsessed with, like, I can't be pregnant anymore. Like, I'm, I don't care. Like, I'm done. That, that mindset just changed so much. Again, because I don't feel like I had a very firm foundation about why I wanted a natural birth in the first place. And I wasn't going into it prepared with, like, these are the reasons of why. Not just, this is what is a good idea, but, like, these are the actual reasons of why, and these are the ways I'm going to try to get there. It was very much like, hmm, some people have natural births, and that might be a good idea. Because you can get up and walk around. and Like, it just felt like very, like, superficial reasonings that was more of kind of... That what that did feel more like a mom badge type of thing. Like people I knew had natural birth, so if I could do that, that would be cool. But I say that I yes do it. Yes, then. that was very much the mindset I kind of had going into it. Okay. So we got there on Sunday night. They started gels, um, and again, didn't go to sleep because my expectation was just gonna like go into labor and have my baby. And, and you're excited. And yeah. You're- yeah. So none of that really did anything by morning. Um, and also keep in mind, we have from the start of the induction, my pa- my mom, my husband's mom, our friend Aaron, and our other friend Julie, like all there with us too. And a doula. Coming in at night for just the gels. Yes. And my doula, who we had hired I don't even remember how but I was it wasn't did, someone I knew super did well anybody take the time to say in any capacity this might be premature to have all these people here and this might not be no. a good idea no no one said that okay I Mm-mm. was guessing probably not but I didn't know if like the doula kind of said like are you sure you want no. everybody there right at the beginning or? she was pretty she kind of kept to herself a lot um, and I didn't know her very well, so. Right, that, which feels like, for the role of a doula, that feels very. Yes. I mean, I get it. That's how a lot of times it works out for people. But yeah. When you really think of what you need in that Yes, time, and I didn't even really know what a doula was, so it just felt like, like oh, sure, there's an extra person? Sure, that sounds great. Was it so, a hospital-provided doula? Or, no. Okay, you hired them. Yeah, I don't even remember how or how I met her, but. Okay. So, um, started off with the induction, didn't sleep, 
nothing was happening by morning time. They decided to do Cytotec, um, which is another pill that they insert vaginally beyond just the gels that um, isn't a pill that's supposed to be used for induction. It actually says on the package, not for labor induction or not for pregnant women or something like that. But I I can't remember what the pill is actually for. I always forget, but um, it's some other medic. It definitely carries a lot of risks for hyperstimulation of, of the uterus, and and you can't really you can't take it out it once because once it dissolves vaginally, like it's the medication's given, and there's no way to like ungive that. Right. So that's essentially what I experienced. Um, was as soon as I got that, I started having really close together contractions like every minute and a half to two minutes that at the time felt well especially when you've gone from nothing happening yes it's not like a gradual right ramping there was up no of contractions it's like yes all of very sudden. intense contractions and i can't even my timelines are gonna probably be totally well, off but it was a long time of that um did they just, do you remember if they gave you just the one dose or did they do another I'm dose? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'd have to look back at all my notes, which I obviously wasn't prepared for. But um, I had a lot of contractions throughout that day. I remember them checking me by evening time. Were you up and walking around and or anything? Not really. Kind of I was mostly in the bed. Probably had an IV. Yep. And... Mm-hmm. Just probably hooked up to all the monitors all since the you're monitors. being induced. Yep. So that makes it harder to move around very much. Yep. And yeah. So. But now some something is happening. So yes. it gives you this even more hope of like, okay, fine. Like now. Now this is going to get me a baby. I remember, I'm sure they checked me throughout the day, but I remember one distinct time in that evening, them checking me and being like, you're a one. And me being like, what? Like, what do you mean I'm at a one? Like, I've literally been having all of these contractions for most of the day, really close together, very painful. And I felt totally like, that can't be right. Like, there's no way. And when you start to understand how the uterus works and how contractions even work and how the cervix opens and that the way that the contractions work and the actual contracting and stretching up actual Mm -hmm. labor contractions are actually working to pull the cervix up in a way and that's what opens Mm -hmm. it and but that that doesn't mean that your uterus can't contract and, and cause painful contractions without doing that. It's right. not this formula of like if you have contractions every 3 minutes and they last a minute long like then you're in labor whether and, it's dilating you or not. They're opening you right. and they're doing the right, right movement and the right thing. And I think that's definitely something that I didn't understand. Oh yeah, that totally. There's different types of contractions and that you can have painful contractions that aren't actually labor contractions mm-hmm. and that you can have Contractions that are labor contractions that aren't really that intense. There's yeah. a lot of different ways that your body can get to the point of the baby coming out. That right. it's right. It's not based just on what you're experiencing. Right. So that gets very d- discouraging for. Right. Women. So it was late. It's similar to like 
when women go through prodromal labor yes. and feel like this has to be This it, has to be doing things. Like, it felt... And it's not that it might not be doing something. It just might not be doing the thing you think it's doing. Right. Yes. So, it's clearly doing something. It's clearly right. making your uterus contract and causing you... Right. ...massive discomfort, but... It wasn't dilating me, and that felt like... I didn't know that was even an, a thing. Right. I didn't know that you could be having regular, painfully strong contractions and not dilate, other than... But if you, that happens, then something's wrong with Yes, your you body. have a broken... You, you just... You don't dilate. Right. Like, it felt like this, well, it's not gonna... There's something wrong then. Right. Um, yes, very much so. So that evening... It was late into the evening at so this you're point. Like twenty four hours in, haven't slept. Yes. The midwife came in and was like, Well, you can keep doing what you're doing. You we can give you an epidural and give you some like Pitocin to try to like get things going. Or you can go home. And I was like, Go home? I was like so offended. That she would even give that as a suggestion. Like, I was so like, are you kidding me? Do you know what I just went through all day? I'm like still in this tunnel vision of like, the baby has to come out. Like, I'm done. I mean, that, you were already in it so deeply before. I was so in was so even... deep. But now looking back, I'm like, I'm so, that was like really awesome of her to say even most providers don't even give that as an option. But I'm one centimeter. I'm like... She's like, we could give you some, like, I don't remember what medication, something like a narcotic or something to just help calm things down so you can just go home. Um, and I was like, no, that is not an option. And I remember, like, Tim and my mom and my mother-in-law all kind of us. It felt like none of us why, could could even. Why would they even? Right. Suggest no, clearly that. you're in labor. and I'm obviously in labor, even though I'm not at all. So I opted for, I mean, after bawling my head off about it, I opted to have them give me some kind of, I don't remember, some kind of pain medication to calm things down so I could try to sleep. Okay. In a monocle's pizza, which you probably don't know what that is, but... It's a really delicious kind of pizza. Um, so And they were willing to let you yeah, eat, mm-hmm. which is great. Yep. So I had... Because that's not always the case. Right. Because I wasn't in labor. <laughs> right. But so I ate pizza, had the medication, and slept did that night. Did people leave that night? I think so, but I, I mean, can't tell you for sure. I'm sure they did, but I have no idea. If you were going to bed and you'd hope that they're not... Yeah. I'm sure they did. Okay. Um, so the next morning was Tuesday morning, woke up without, like, I wasn't having any contractions. Um, and we're kind of like, do we start that again? I think, I think we started again with with the side side attack. attack. Um, it did the same thing, hyperstimulated my uterus and was just having back-to-back contractions. And at this point, Graceland's tolerating that. She's still tolerating it fine. Okay. Because one thing that can happen when you hyperstimulate the uterus and have that close contractions when you when you consider the fact that i think this is we've touched on this before in other podcast episodes but how i know for me it took many many births for me to realize that the baby's also an active participant in yeah 
labor and delivery. Right. And that when you're having a contraction, it's also contracting that, like, squeezing them. squeezing them. And when your waters are still intact, that does definitely help. Mm -hmm. It helps with taking some of that pressure that they're going to be feeling and, and helping them, which is why a lot of times if your water's broken and things are, I mean, if there's hyperstimulation at that point, it's going to be a lot harder on the baby. Um, But when it's not your own hormones working and the baby's own hormones and signals working together to kind of like your body... I mean, I'm not saying that 100% of the time always your body works in this way that regulates things that if your baby's in distress, your body's going to chill out sometimes even though your body knows the baby needs to be out and your body Mm -hmm. and baby work together to get out super fast i mean there's a lot of different variables with that but the whole point is that she was tolerating it well but not because yeah she's this participant in the process she's just kind of having this happen to her and yes so and throughout the evening that Tuesday. So mm-hmm. this is almost 48 hours now. Um, she started to show more signs of D cells and not being as happy. Um, by that point... And you, you think you're still on side attack at this point? Or did you Yes, I, I think they started Pitocin at this point. Did you get um, an epidural right away when you started Pitocin or did you... You don't remember? I don't remember. I know I got an epidural. I, I don't remember if it was before or after starting Pitocin. Um, but I do remember Wednesday morning, like early, early in the morning, um, being on the Pitocin. And that was when she her heart rate was really struggling. Um, so you were on the Pitocin, but you also had an epidural at that point. Yes. Also had an epidural, so I had slept for some. Um, and I remember them coming in and checking me and being like... Year one. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, I, that can't possibly be right because I've now been like having laboring for two full days now. And. And you're using Pitocin now. Right. So. Yes. I think maybe I had gotten to a two. Maybe. I don't even know if it. All I remember is was the number it was still one not, haunting me. It still wasn't what you. Yes. Were. So. Were. I, um, when her heart rate was starting to struggle more, um, with D cells and things, and I think they were all just kind of like, what else do we do? Like 50 something hours into the process. And it's not like you're showing a lot of signs of progress. And so that morning we started talking about a C-section, um, and I hated the idea because that felt like at the time. That was, like, what everyone was trying to avoid. Like, that that felt... That did feel like the failure. Like, that... I, I didn't... That wasn't at all what I felt like was going to happen. Um, you just thought that the induction methods would work. Right. Like, it didn't feel like they weren't going to work because I wasn't ready. It was, like, mentally I was ready, so they were going to work. There wasn't a question in my mind that they wouldn't work. I, I, I knew and acknowledged that I could have a C-section because of something going wrong medically and there being like emergency. But at that point, just a failed induction, didn't it? Right. You weren't. And it was, 
even though I probably wouldn't have said it at the time, I knew the reason she was having heart D-cells was because I was inducing her. Like, it wasn't because she was having a problem. Like, I mean, she was, but it was, was because of my actions. Because of all the medications right. and things and right. the process that was going on. Yes. Wasn't supposed, like, clearly wasn't actually working. Right. She wasn't ready to come out. And so I... Um, Started talking about a C-section. Then, out of nowhere, my water breaks. And that was the most, like... I just feel like I can remember it so vividly, that moment my water broke. Because it felt like, oh, oh like, this is happening. Like, like, okay. Really, I am supposed to be having right. the baby. Kind of. Yes. And they checked me, and they said I was a four. And I was like, okay, finally. It took a little bit of gearing up, but, like, now we're on the right track. I had an epidural in. I had the Pitocin going. My water was broken. And I do think at that point, had I not had the days leading up to it, it probably would have, like, not been too hard on Graceland. But but if she wasn't 50-whatever hours into this Right. She was exhausted from all of the hyperstimulation and all of the contractions. Obviously, I was exhausted, but I felt like... It's different... Yeah. Where she, sh- she, it was obvious that she wasn't going to tolerate. I mean, if that was nine centimeters, it would have been different, but I was only still four. And so. And now her water is broken, which we just talked yes. about, helps to cushion mm-hmm. those strong contractions, right. those strong artificial contractions. You have the epidural, so you can't feel them. Right. She, she can. now doesn't have this bag of amniotic fluid around her and is still being squeezed by. Mm-hmm. Contractions that are not that are potentially stronger than, but you can't even know how strong they are as far right. as like what you're feeling because you're not feeling anything. Yes. So it makes sense that on top of the fact that it's been days of this, she's not going to tolerate it well mm-hmm. because now she's got even less around her, like yes, cushioning her from the. So I think we gave it a couple hours. Like it wasn't like her D cells right. were that it wasn't bad. An emergency. But it, she- everyone knew there was a change with how she seemed. Um, so we gave it a few hours, um, and then she really just took a turn and was like really not doing well. And my and- midwife at that point she was, she was so not pushy about any of these things and was really honestly listening to me. Even and it though it sounds like even making suggestions that I didn't like want, like smart suggestions. Right. Yes. That and she came in and was like, "I think we need to get her out." Like, and she was starting to really get worried about her because of her heart rate. And at that point, it was like, "Well, we've gotten ourselves into this. Like, now she really does need to come out." And mm-hmm. you know, so we went back for the C-section around noon. Right. And at this point, not that you were anywhere in this mindset at all. Mm-hmm. But even if you had decided, like, never mind, just shut it all off. I mean... Right. I can't... You're in the medical setting, and your water is broken, and mm-hmm. you're... I mean... I have an epidural. I have Pitocin. Right. It's I'm, like, you you really do get to this point where it's like... There's no going back other than to have your baby, by whatever means. Right. I mean, it's just... I've never heard of anyone who's had an epidural removed, been removed from Pitocin... Right. Taken, like, yes. especially when the, once your water's broken, they're, they are very strict about being on the 24-hour yes. clock. And so, I mean, it takes hours for even those things to get out of your system in the first place. Right. But, but you just so mental, like, anyone would struggle 
you're it's just not the mindset of anyone around you or yourself right. when you're to that point to say yeah. like Never mind. This I mean, even bad. just to the point that I was a couple days before when she offered me to go home, it was like, I already came, I already told people I'm going in for an induction. Right. I already have prepared to meet my baby. I'm not going home without my baby. Right. Like, right. Yes, yes. I know. That's why I said that you weren't anywhere near this. Yes. But even if you had been, even if you had been someone who was like, really did have reasons and was really on the fence, right. it's sort of like once you get to that point in an, indu- in an induction, even if you kind of come to this realization of like oh no this isn't no, working this is the way that i didn't want it to go even if you realize and path. doctors realize this isn't working whatever induction method whatever thing they're doing this isn't working their solution is not so let's just give it more time and even if the reason off. you're getting an induction in the first place isn't because it's medically necessary it's still like well we're in it we're already going down this railroad track of there's no going back right. like you just have to keep going right so so yeah they wheeled me back for the induction i remember my midwife saying when they were wheeling me oh for the c-section back yeah sorry for the c-section um we'll make sure to do like double suture layers so you can have a v-back next time like i remember her being very like i feel like she was so disappointed because she didn't want that any of that for me and knew and knew what I was kind of walking myself into. I know she did. Mm-hmm. She's very gracious with me, but um, so went back for the C-section, had that. She came out. Do you feel like so she was very gracious with you. Do you feel like in some ways she didn't do a very good job of really pushing back with what I was saying? Yeah, and really warning you of yeah. I mean, really, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, I think she could have done more of that for sure. But I also feel like you weren't going to listen. I know you feel I wasn't. like you even if she would have you weren't going to listen to her. Yes. But I think sometimes it's it is both sides of, you know. Yes. And I was just curious if you felt like she tried to explain to you. I'm not sure because really. I feel like I had such like tunnel vision that, that you I do remember my Bradley instructor calling me and kind of saying these like, I just taught you all this in class. And I was very much like, whatever, la, 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 like, I'm I need listening. this. I need this. And my baby needs this. And, and I this need is my what's best. knee surgery. So. Right. So okay. went back for the uh, C-section. Um and she was born at 12, 12 p.m. So it was about two and a half days um, after we went in for the induction. She came out. She wasn't crying or breathing or anything. Like, it took a little bit for her to transition. I remember very clearly the nurse, like, when they brought her over to, like, the warmer and stuff. And we're, like, checking her out. Her saying, like... This does not look like a 39-week baby at all. She's like, this looks way more like a 36-week baby. And I, as soon as I heard her say that, I'm like, it's because I know she's a 36-week baby. Like, I know my original due date. It's like, I knew, I, I felt strongly that my original due date was right, but I wanted it not to be. And you feel like, well, if they change the due right. date, that it's like actually changing the due date. Right, yes, in totally. In this weird way, even though... Just saying a different date isn't actually changing how mm-hmm. far along you really are. Yeah. But somehow, I know for me, it's like when you're in this mindset of listening to what the professionals say, mm-hmm. it's like they have the power to right. make these calls and decide these things that isn't actually changing 
what's going on right. just because it's their opinion right. or their theory or whatever the case may be. And I do think a lot of it fell on me of switching providers in the way and the timing that I did and I don't feel like I like weaseled my way into getting the sooner due date, but I do feel like I wanted the sooner due date. I wanted that to be meaning I would have my baby sooner and it wouldn't be around Christmas. But as soon as she said it, it was like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Like she probably is 36 weeks and I just forced her out of me for next to no reason. So thankfully she didn't have a NICU stay. She didn't have any like problems after that. She did, you know, fine as far as breathing and not having any like major medical complications right from that um but I, I do feel like there was this huge disconnect between her and I from the start like I remember people coming in and me even saying this to Tim at one point like I feel like everyone who walks in the hospital door is like a million times more excited to see this baby than I am like I just remember feeling like this was the thing this was it this baby like I just felt so disconnected and so I think I felt a lot of just guilt that I just didn't know how to like process or handle and felt I did feel like I failed I did feel like I made bad decisions that led to needing to have something that I didn't need to have and that you know and then the whole date thing and I just feel like there was a lot going into like your first time as becoming a mother that did cause a lot of and then we struggled nursing like I've talked about and and all my other times of struggling but that that was was probably something that you were kind of grasping on to very much so well at least I can still bond with my baby yes like it's okay that I had to have a c-section we'll just nurse and Mm -hmm. like yes and that was a huge struggle and so I just really struggled in the well, and then postpartum. you had to have the surgery. Yes, I had my knee surgery at so, two months postpartum. Doing the surgery through a whole extra layer of issues yes. into nursing because yeah. you're going to be gone from her and you're going to be taking medications. Mm-hmm. And so was that was the, ultimately the time you decided, like, we're yeah. just going to be done. Yep. And, yep. Which I feel like circumstantially makes a ton of sense, mm-hmm. but it definitely doesn't help with the just being in that new postpartum time and trying to make those connections and everything. Yeah. And I mean, I experienced normal first time mom just having feeling like I have no idea what I'm doing and like what is the right thing to be doing. And, but adding on to that, just a very strong disconnect with Graceland that I wasn't expecting like, I feel like something else was built up in my mind that was going to occur that never occurred, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that there was going to be this moment everyone would talk about when you like finally laid eyes on your baby and it was just all worth it. And I was like, this does not feel worth it at all. <laughs> like, I just really was oh. like really struggling and I was feeling starting to get resentful towards all the like because we were in a good church family and we had a ton of visitors who would come and like we're so excited to meet her and just feeling like this like random lady from church is like in tears excited to come and meet my baby that I'm like I don't understand why at all like it just felt so disconnecting for me yeah so yeah that was my 
first birth experience, but it was through that and through the postpartum time. I think I started doula training to become a doula when she was around six months old. Um, so it was it was pretty immediate after my birth. I realized pretty quickly well, that... And when you consider the fact that you've been through Bradley classes... Yes. You are with a midwife who is giving you these options. Like we talked about, maybe people could have been more firm and more adamant about things. Yes. But there probably was a lot of those things that were being said to you and presented and you just weren't... You didn't care and didn't want to listen. Yes. And so... Then when it comes time to deal with it and process it, it's not like you've never even heard these things. It's right. like you now have to work through and process what you really kind of knew all along. Yes, very much. That I like chose to like ignore, ignore mm-hmm. for sure. So that quickly led to... It's almost like you hear the, if you choose to make these choices... This is one of the risks that could happen, but mm-hmm. you kind of want to think, well, that, but that's not going right. to be me. Right. It was exactly how I felt. Right. So when that all of that did happen, it felt very much like, oh, this is not like I like made. It really does happen. Like, yes. And these are choices. really do fail. And yeah, that led to a lot. It, I, I just very, very clearly from right away postpartum see how that snowball effect of just being like, yeah, I want to meet my baby and get induced how it just led to so many other things that ultimately led to me really struggling to bond with my baby and really struggling to feel a connection with her really until about nine months until she was about nine months old Mm -hmm. I didn't really feel like we had any kind of really good bond at all so um I can't remember did you go back to work at any of that time? Not when she was a baby, no. Okay. I went back to work around when she was one Okay. Ish. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's the first story in... That is the first Schweitzer birth story for you. And I think our hope in this is that you can... Like, we're trying to bring up the different aspects of where, throughout it, where we maybe have changed or, you know, mm-hmm. pointing out things we have talk- talked about and how it was an actual ramification of right. it playing out in one of our actual experiences and lives, mm-hmm. not just it could happen. Because I know that, obviously, it was... You could have heard about other people's experiences and it not impact you because it wasn't your experience. And so that might be the same thing that happens with anyone listening to us sharing our experiences. But I do think it's also important for people to understand that when we are talking about these things and we're passionate about these things, we're not just basing it off of things we've heard. We're basing a lot of our mindsets and off of our experiences and again you can't base everything off of your own experiences either i mean absolutely right we don't but we are coming at it from a place of we felt we gave away all of our responsibility to providers like we understand why that is like a normal 
thing in our culture to just do whatever your doctor says and not to question it and and to trust them and to want to want to trust that even if we're pushing for something and it's something that even a provider maybe wasn't perfectly okay with that if they consented to it and said fine that's we'll do that Mm -hmm. that somehow if they're saying it's okay then it must not it must be okay Mm -hmm. like yeah they'll stop us from doing anything really stupid or Mm -hmm. you know right um and really just trusting sort of like the dates thing Mm -hmm. i mean there's a huge difference when you're just kind of going with what you want things to be and what they're saying they can make their data right. say Match. it can be and like versus what? having the hard conversations of like well but do you really think that that's like what yeah. about you know if you had someone telling you if somebody had approached you and at that time... Oh, someone did. I When I posted my status... Uh, I mean, like, your provider. If Yes. Your providers had said, well, we really don't want to accidentally have you have your baby too early. And right. so we're going to just stick with the original due date, mm-hmm. even if... Yes. But when that's not what they're doing, if you're not standing up... And honestly, right. I mean, <laughs> I've known... Even my sister had huge problems where she was confident about her body, confident about her cycle, mm-hmm. confident about her due date, and went in telling them, this. well, if you're going to make me write down my last monthly period, you're going to get this due date. But I know that I ovulatedly, I know my due date is later than that. Mm-hmm. I know that it will be wrong. Like, I want an ultrasound to prove it. And then they did an ultrasound, found some other stuff, tried to tell her that the other things were potentially throwing her dates off and that she really was yeah. matching her period that she knew she never was matching. But now right. it just became this whole big thing where I feel like sometimes, depending on the provider, even if you are confident in sticking up with mm-hmm. to what you know about yourself and your body, they can still kind of make their own decisions about what they want to think about right. it. And and very few providers want you to be due on Christmas. <laughs> this is true. So, yeah. This is a true story. And not that they're sitting around looking at their... Conniving how can they change dates and... No, not at no. all. I don't think that that's true. But I do think there is some level for everyone of certain times that feel more or less convenient yes. and mm-hmm. well wouldn't it's almost like you get this idea of like well wouldn't this be great if this was this mm-hmm. way instead and then you kind of start doing things to try to make that happen even though yes. you wouldn't say you're really trying to do that but yet mm-hmm. you kind of just get it in your mind like well this is what I want it to be right? and you kind of get more and more down that idea of this is what I want so yep yep so that's Graceland's birth story Mm -hmm. and she will be nine in December I was gonna say do you know I'm thinking that I've heard and that over the years I know that Cytotec is still used in some hospitals but am I right and have you heard that it's been 
like the less providers oh, yes. are using it oh, yes. because it's been called out as right. now they use the cervical gels and cervidil usually cervidil is something that they can doesn't cause as much hyperstimulation and it was more yes. created for actual yes. labor induction than cytotech is not used nearly as often right i think it kind of was brought to people's attention yes. how pretty quickly dangerous it can be and yes with along with the uterine um the hyperstimulation of the uterus that also really raises your risks of like uterine rupture right and they, they definitely banned it from any v-back right and so um but those are the types of things that i feel like even with that i mean I think a lot of women are just trusting that if their doctors are recommending using something, mm-hmm. that it's going to be safe and easy on my body and um, not always understanding fully the risks that can come with those things. Right. And so if you uh, happen to find yourself in an induction situation and your provider says that they're going to use Cytotec... These are the things, like, don't just take their word for it. That like, Or ask what they're going to use. Ask what they're going to use, and then understand what they're going to use, mm-hmm. and look it up on your own. Research it for yourself. Ask, like, what are all of the risks of this? Right. And really be prayerful about those decisions before you just sign off on things and just decide, yep, this is what they said they do. Like, this is what they're used to using. Um, because I think it's just so easy to do that, to mm-hmm. trust that somebody else has way more yeah. experience with this. And I've never done this before. And if they're telling me it's fine, then I'm sure it's fine. And um. Um, It says that in 2000, the original manufacturer of Cytotec uh, sent a letter to over 200,000 OBGYNs in the country stating the possible side effects of Cytotec when given to pregnant women, such as hyperstimulation of the uterus, uterine rupture, amniotic fluid embolism, death of the mother, death of the child. So ACOG then wrote a rebuttal um, regarding that. And so it was definitely like a back and forth, we want to use this. When the makers of Cytotec are saying, this "Don't is you, this is not safe. why the, it was created," um, and so this I is mean, ten years before I even you had it with Graceland, right. and I didn't know. I, obviously, I could have just Googled Cytotec and read some of these things, but I didn't even know what they were going to use, and I didn't ask. And you just well, that's like right. what I'm saying. You just trust that they know what they're doing to induce and what works and what's right safe and. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are the things that it's like, ask the questions, know what what they're doing, right? understand what they're doing, and don't just look up the good stories about these things, yeah. but really don't just read the list of risks, but like put yourself in the place of, okay, these are the risk factors if I make the conscious decision to use these things. Right. And... Go from there. And sometimes, like we've talked about, sometimes the benefits of these things do outweigh the risks in circumstances and Mm -hmm. situations. And it's like, well, I'm already at really high risk of this thing over here happening. And this does feel like a better, like it's worth being willing to take this risk in order to Mm -hmm. try to help with whatever's happening. But so many times 
when we choose an induction or you know especially when we are just at that place of just oh I'm just done I just don't want to do this anymore it's uncomfortable I'm ready like I don't want it to be closer to Christmas like all of these like very superficial reasons like Mm -hmm. looking back they don't necessarily feel like that at the time because you're not always yes you're not in your right state of mind not always super rational no just know that when I'm saying these things about Abby, I only feel like I can say them because she knows that I oh, yeah. 100% understand and would place myself in the same category about yeah. decisions I've made. So yep. I don't feel like I'm being like this critical. It might sound like that of like, oh, yeah, not but even, we've... those are superficial reasons and you're not in your right mind. But, but it's true. I mean, I, I, I know, would say those same things. I have also been in that same place. Right. And so. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's that. All right, you guys better hang on with us while we start popping out these hour-long podcasts. We'll try episodes. to try to think of some other things to throw in in between, so you don't just have to listen to twelve. I know, but our last three episodes have been an hour and something minutes, so they don't have to listen to it all in one shot. You guys can pause and come back to us later. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Bye. See ya.